Hello everyone, and in today's episode I'm joined with Leah, and Leah's going to be talking about her journey, a whole journey with Crohn's disease and uh, everything she's been through and everything she's battled. So thank you Leah for joining me today. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. It's going to be um, really, really nice hearing your, your whole journey with, um, with Crohn's disease. Sorry. Yeah. Big dramatic story that I have to tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if you just want to like, start, just start to talk about like your um like shall we start like when you were diagnosed yeah yeah so um i don't even know how to start this because it's such a confusing story i don't think i think it's quite a, a quite a unique one to be honest okay. i think i was about 14 the first time that i ever went to the doctors to complain with like tummy pain um which will have been eight years ago now and straight away they just kind of said oh like have you came on your period obviously being a girl and stuff and put it straight down to that and then I kept going back and it was you know every every month I'd be going back every month or two I'd just be back there I'd be like it's I'm still in pain it's still hurting um I ended up when I was 14 just like stopping doing PE at school because I couldn't like I couldn't put myself through I was too tired and exhausted um and then it wasn't until I was about 16 that they actually started to take me seriously and they said we think that you might have uh, is it cystic ovaries ovarian cysts or something mm. So they took me straight in to get um, like an internal scan. So I went in, got the scan. They said there was no cysts, it was completely fine. And they said, but we can see that your bowel is inflamed. Now, obviously, at like 16 years old, I didn't know what Crohn's disease was. I didn't know mm. anything about like what an inflamed bowel meant. So I, obviously, they mentioned it to the doctor. I mentioned it to the doctor. And they didn't do anything about it. They just kind of said, oh, well, maybe it's, maybe it's a bowel issue then. Maybe you've got IBS, mm. which obviously knowing now, I know it yeah. couldn't have been IBS because an inflamed bowel is different to yeah. IBS. So yeah, yeah. I was just like, obviously back then I just took it and I was like, okay. So they told me to try Buscapan. Obviously didn't work. So I went back. Mm. They gave me the Beverine. Didn't work. Went back. They kept just giving me my Beverine, kept telling me it was IBS or it was gastroenteritis, which is obviously just like a flu. And then I, this was back and forth up until I was about 19 years old. And then I went on holiday and I came back and it was horrific. I was in absolute agony. So I went to the doctors and I said to them, I don't want my beverine. It's not IBS. I'm sick of hearing it. I want something doing. And this had been like years now, like what, five, five years of me going back and forth to the doctors, like complaining and saying I'm in so much pain. So I had like the, obviously the finger up the bum to check you out like that and then sent off a stool sample and they came back and they said to me, oh, we think you've got Campylobacter, which is just a food poisoning. Oh, okay. So they sent me this letter and said, like, you've got, you've got Campylobacter, don't go out, like, don't be with elderly because apparently it's contagious or something. So I had this letter from like the Department of Health um, and they gave me like antibiotics. And they asked for another stool sample, which I obviously thought was to check that the Campylobacter had gone, the food poisoning had gone. So I sent off the other sample and heard nothing back uh, up until January. And before this, I'd also been going to the doctors complaining of skin problems. Um, and they told me that they thought it might have been ringworm, which is like a kind of like a fungal infection on your skin. Yeah. But I know now it's psoriasis that I've got all over my scalp and I keep getting it, like I get flare-ups of it all over my body and stuff, which is actually like a symptom and a side effect of Crohn's disease. Obviously, okay. still didn't know what Crohn's disease was, still didn't know anything about it, kind of just shoved under the carpet, trusted the doctors. So I heard nothing back about the stool sample and that was, in a like, that was around August, September time up until January, a couple of years ago. And I missed one of my exams. And I was obviously in such like a tiz because I'd never missed an exam before and I was really ill. So my mum said to me, she was like, I hadn't, didn't have a GP up at university. So she said, go to the walk-in. At least then you've got proof that you've, you know, been somewhere and said, like, I'm having really bad bowel problems. So I went to the walk-in and I sat down and he went, is it because of your IBD? So I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, well, looking at your results here from a stool sample you submitted about six months ago, you have really high levels of fecal calpractin, which is an indicator of inflammation, which is an indicator of IBD. So I just assumed that you had IBD. Mm. And I obviously knew nothing about it. And I just found out off a walk-in and the doctors hadn't told me. So obviously I came out and started researching, like was like, this is like 
phones are also loads of colitis so like no idea what these are I'm obviously in a mess crying to my mum so I got the train home um the second I was like feeling a little bit better and felt like able to I went straight to the doctors and I went and seen a different GP I said I don't want to see that GP because that GP hadn't like hadn't told me that had these levels that was an indicator of a chronic disease like come on so I seen a different GP and they said to me that the second stool sample must have been lost because they never received it like the you know the people that look at samples and things oh yeah yeah like, is it forensics or whatever? I don't know. The people look like look at all the samples. Said they'd never received it, and he said, "But well, regardless, the levels were that high. You shouldn't have had to send in another sample anyway. You should have been sent straight for a colonoscopy." So he rushed me to get a colonoscopy, which I think only took a couple of weeks, and then that was it. I was diagnosed. <laughs> that is a, a hell of a story. It's a hell of a story. <laughs> so I always say, yeah. like, it's, it's crazy because it was, it's yeah. eight years in the making mm. of me being kind of rejected from my doctor and then them knowing I had it and just not telling me. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so how long um, would you say you've had Crohn's now? Well, my first, obviously, the first time I'd ever complained of bowel troubles was eight yeah. years ago. So you could say that it started then, obviously. Yeah. I, I don't know because I wasn't diagnosed until about two years ago. So yeah. it could have been it could have been eight years ago that I had it, or that could have been just the start. But I yeah. don't know. I do tend to think that even um if um like you start to get symptoms at um like um closer to your diagnosis, I do think like with most people that um you're like you ha- you you have it um like in you for a while. Yeah. I feel like it does definitely, definitely get worse. Yeah. At 100%, like, it, it obviously, it starts off and it's like it starts attacking your bowel or whatever, but it obviously it's going to pick up the pace and it's going to start attacking it more and more if it's left untreated. So, obviously, over the years, it got worse and worse, and I was going back and I'd, like, sit in the doctors and I'd be crying. They'd just be saying, you take some of my Beverine home. Never done anything. In fact, it probably made me worse because it wasn't the right thing and it just made you constipated. Yeah, you, I, I like I don't know what you mean. Like when you have to fight to get those like appointments, like um, yeah, to, get, to get, even get seen because, like um, as uh, as you know, like so some of the doctors don't really know like um what they're talking about sometimes. Like they, 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 they kind of think of maybe maybe like a little guess or something. Maybe just even maybe just make you happy. Yeah, hundred percent. And I'd always say now. I love my IBD nurses and I love now that I've been diagnosed that I'm in the care of the right hands and they treat me really well. But I always say to people, like I've had quite a few people message me and say like I'm experiencing these symptoms and I say to them, I just turn around and say, at the end of the day, I'm now on a wait list for surgery. If you think that it is not just IBS, if you know, you only knew you know what's wrong with your body and if you know that it is not what the doctors are trying to shun you up with because they're gonna because it's easier for them they don't have to refer your places they don't have to write letters um so they're gonna just give you you know whatever tablets to kind of kind of get you out of the office and hope that that's right and i know it sounds awful but it is true so i say it to people all the time if you think that it's bad then push to get a colonoscopy and push to get tests and push yeah. for results and answers because now i make years down the line and this might have been avoided if eight years ago they yeah. t- took me seriously yeah definitely and like uh, as you say, like with IBS and um, IBD, that they, they, they can get pretty mixed up. Although that they're different, they're two different things, but there are like with symptoms um, quite similar in a way. But um, yeah, but, but with IBS, it's kind of um, it, it, it it's not as like you don't have surgery, you don't um, it's not it's not it's not like you get a flare in it, is it? It's just um, exactly. Um, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean. Like, yes, I hear of people obviously having flares with their IBS and stuff. And, you know, it, ca- it can be really painful and people can have really severe IBS and yeah. it can be, you know, horrible. But the way I describe it is IBS is the symptoms of your bowel. So IBS is like, you know, we have the same diarrhea, constipation, bowel pains. But IBD obviously takes that one step further. You've got your chronic fatigue, you've got your skin problems, you've got your, you know, you can also experience sickness when you need surgery. And it's an actual 
disease that attacks your bowel so if that's left untreated it yeah. can be really serious and it can be dangerous yeah, of course so yeah. i always say at the end of the day i was like neglected in a sense by my doctor because i was just shoved off after all of the indicators that i had Crohn's disease after you know the internal scan that showed inflammation when i was six 15 16 years old and you know after the stool sample and the medication not working and all the different symptoms with the skin problems and the tiredness if they'd have taken me seriously they should have known yeah. so if yeah. if you know that something is obviously not just ibs i mean i say just because i know it can be really painful but yeah. like it, it's not dangerous if you know that it's more than that then i always say to push as hard as you can to get tests yeah, yeah. and I, I i like i know what you mean like with ibs because i i remember um i was in, I, it was at college once um uh it, it was like a, a cooking lesson and there was a couple of kids in that class that had IBS and um, the chef um, made a smoothie like um, because I think with IBS if you, if you go and diet and smoothies it can like maybe help like um, the pain a little bit with IBS yeah but um, the chef said to me um, Mason can't you drink it as well because you you got you got IBD, IBD IBS is pretty similar isn't it and I said uh, it's not it's, it's, it's quite different although like a milkshake, a smoothie is probably one of the worst things for me to have um, mm. with having Crohn disease because... Um, with having yeah. all the raw yeah. fruit and the seeds and things like that. Yeah. It's, it's just because a lot of people know what IBS is and they know that, like, you know, IBS can be controlled by, you know, just consuming fruits and veg and not having all this stuff. They don't realise that actually the the diet for IBD is completely different I mean like I'm the same as you when I if I'm if I'm going on like a diet where like I'm trying to lose weight or something I can't have fruit and vegetables or high fiber things which people say are so good for you because it triggers you and it can make you really poorly yeah definitely and and uh, I'd say there's um I do avoid um caffeine as well because um I've always avoided caffeine like I as soon as I got diagnosed I knew that like it got, it got me a bit of pain so I've, I've, i do have like decaf decaf coffee i have a decaf yeah. coffee every morning because i because I, I i like coffee but it, it doesn't really taste any different to me than a normal coffee <laughs> see i don't actually know if it's caffeine mm. that affects me or if it is coffee and energy drinks because i could drink normal tea and obviously normal tea has a lot of caffeine in but i couldn't drink a coffee a coffee would make me ill which is weird but I know caffeine is a really big thing for a lot of people. Yeah. Just like alcohol, alcohol is really bad. Yeah, that that is a that that, that is a, a big um, well, like I think the worst things to do if you have Crohn's disease is drink alcohol all the time. Um, yeah. People who smoke because I I I, I remember first thing my consultant said um, when I met him, he said, um, "Do you drink alcohol?" And um, I said, "No," and he was like, "Good." and then um yeah and then uh, he asked me do I smoke and he and I said no I've never smoked I would never do that and he said good because those are I think one of the most triggers to like get a flare-up or um, cause worse symptoms yeah oh exactly and I like if I need to plan myself around having a drink now so it was my nana's birthday the other week um so we had a party and we had a drink and I was recovering for about five days after that with just yeah. bowel problems after bowel problems and then I went to my friends on the Saturday and I just said to her, I was like, look, I can't drink today because I can't, like, I've got stuff to do next week and I can't deal with the consequences of it. And, you know, as long as you've got, as long as you've got people that understand and as long as you kind of do it, I think it's okay for some people, depending on how bad it triggers you, to do it in moderation. But I think a lot of people find that in common, that if you drink alcohol to excess, you're really, really poorly. Yeah, it's 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 like um just imagine these people who who do drink and have um hangover in the morning and if so someone like with a chronic illness does it I reckon it's much worse than a than a little hangover. Oh, exactly, hundred percent. Because not only are you already like not only do you already have chronic fatigue and bowel troubles, but I think everybody that drinks alcohol wakes up the next day with. Can I swear? Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, no, I think everybody that wakes up the next day after drinking wakes up with the shits and wakes yeah. up tired. 
So imagine what it's like for somebody that has the shits and is tired every yeah. single day and has just done something that's harmful to them. Like, it's going to be ten times worse. Yeah, of course, yeah. And I like, like with me, with drinking alcohol, um, I, I, I don't drink alcohol, but say, because um, my, my birthday's coming up soon, so I, I will have probably have a little drink, but not, not too much. So yeah. I, I only kind of drink maybe in special occasions or just like... like yeah, I'm the same it. now. I'm the same now. Now I know how much it damages me because beforehand, you kind of just, like, before diagnosis, obviously I wasn't diagnosed until I was, like, 20. Um, so before that, obviously, I'd drink alcohol and I'd go out on a night out and I'd probably, you know, socially smoke and have a couple of cigarettes and I'd wake up the next day and I'd be in agony. But, like, my friends would say, oh, I get I get a bad belly after drinking, so I'd think, oh, well, it must be normal then. But now I realise, actually this is not normal this is 10 like it's 10 times worse because I'm actually damaging my organs that are already damaged enough and they can't handle this sort of stuff so I've not learned now to cut it down a lot and I'll only like I drink if it's like if it's like a family party yeah. or something like that but over lockdown I didn't drink at all I didn't drink between like between when I got diagnosed I didn't drink for about eight months after that so it's like really special occasions I'll have a drink yeah. but I feel like once you know that like it's actually is causing a lot of damage and it's probably a lot worse for you and you know not just to accept the pain and you can actually do something about it yeah I've put it down yeah definitely like it's it's, it's always nice to have a drink but um it's uh, like if, if you think about it um it's not a lot of good uh, like if you just think about alcohol in general um it just makes you feel bad <laughs> yeah exactly it does it does the next day you're hung over anyways so you don't want to put yourself through being hung over and damaging your belt yeah you just gotta think about yourself yeah and you can have fun without it mm. you don't need yeah. it yeah like um it, like uh, sometimes you see people that um like who are drunk, it can be quite funny because, uh, like, um, maybe someone who's quite quiet um, has had a drink, and, and you, you see them like coming out of themselves and, and like speaking. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. It's so funny. Yeah, yeah. That, that, and you can tell that. all your friends the stories. So if you're the sober <laughs> one, the next day when they forgot everything, you can be like, "Remember when you said that?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's quite, it's quite funny. Just like, um, just being a sensible one. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and like um, Leah, like with um medication, um, just just want to talk a little bit about that, like different medication that you've been on. Uh, yeah. So I started off, obviously, they put you on Pentassa, which is pathetic and does nothing. <laughs> um, but I'm still taking it now to this day. They still haven't took me <laughs> off it. I have no idea why. It's the most pointless thing in the entire world. Um, and then. I went on, like, obviously, three course, three month course of budesonide, and I took uh, some, like, different steroids and things like that. And then I went on azathioprine, and that made me really, really sick. It was, oh, it was awful. It gave me the worst, like, dizziness and migraines and sickness, and I couldn't eat, and it was, it was horrific. I just felt so ill on it. So they tried to put me on my catchpurin, which is the same, and that gave me the same thing. I ended up really really low like mentally just because it was making me that ill and that unmotivated on top of what I already was that I couldn't get anything done I couldn't focus and I couldn't you know sit my exams and stuff because I was just so ill so I came off that and then lockdown happened and I was meant to be going on Amjavita which is obviously the biosimilar for Humira but because lockdown had happened I couldn't go in and get my chest x-ray and obviously you need that for biologics because it can trigger yeah. like tuberculosis or HIV and things like that so you need to get cleared yeah. um so they put me back on steroids so I was on steroids for another couple of months and then came off the steroids and finally lockdown was back up so now I've been on Amtribita for a few months now okay yeah, so how would you say you're doing on that, um, Himera? I'm doing, I'm doing fine. I don't see that much of a difference in my tummy yet. I don't see that much, but obviously it has only been a few months and it can take like three or four months to actually get in your system and start to make a difference. So we'll have to see about that. But 
in terms of side effects and stuff, obviously the next day, at first I was fine, but then after a few tries of it, I started to get like quite a bad headache on the next day. But as long as you make sure that you do it like on a weekend or when you're not, when you haven't got anything planned the next day, then it's fine. It doesn't really bother me. Are, are you okay like with like injections and everything? Uh, yeah, I'm, like I, injections don't bother me. I've actually got really bad veins, so every time I go to the doctors, you know, to get blood tests or, you know, when you have to get your colonoscopy, you have to get sedation put in. They can never find my veins because they're that bad. So I end up getting like a needle there, one there, one there, one there while they're trying to find them. So I've gotten very used to getting needles, so they don't bother me. But injecting yourself, obviously, is a different story. So I end up like, you, you know, when you freak out a little bit before you do it, and you sit there and you're like, yeah. I don't want to press it, I don't want to press it. It doesn't <laughs> hurt and it doesn't bother me when I've actually done it. But it's like the fear of having to like actually press a button to inject yourself just goes through me. Uh, has, <laughs> has it gone like right every time or, uh, or has it like, um, like have, you, have you had any accidents with it? Last time I did it, I... um. I'm like the like the mo every other time I've done it, I have hardly bled. Like I've had like you know a tiny bit of blood to the surface or none at all, and it's been absolutely fine. So I just brought it up with me with my little disposable bin. I didn't have any wipes or anything because I didn't think I'd need them because I thought oh, it's not going to do anything. So obviously I'm just laid in bed and inject myself, and then I take it away and it starts like just blood starts coming out. It's <laughs> just, <laughs> just like oh god, no. so I'm oh, sat no. on my bed. I'm like I don't know what to do. So like I've got nothing near me to clear it up. So I end up standing up to try and run and grab something and end up getting blood all over the duvet, which was great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Not, yeah <laughs> but that's, the worst, that's the worst it's got. It's not like I haven't, I haven't injected it wrong, as far as I know. Um, and it hasn't, like, gone, like, dramatically wrong or anything like that. It's been fine. It's pretty easy to do, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, like me, I've been on it um, since November. Um, because uh, like beforehand I was on infliximab and like infusions and uh, I was on that for a year so that, 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 that didn't go to plan I had a bad reaction on um, oh. at the end, uh, on like the ninth infusion where um, like during the 15 minute mark um, all of a sudden uh, I went all red couldn't breathe and needed oxygen so um, oh my that, God, no so that had to be a uh, hold it I was, I, was, yeah, I, was, I was thinking yeah. I was, I was thinking it's going to be completely stopped that infusion. Wouldn't start again that time. But and then they're in my consultant and my consultant says, um, continue, c c continue the infusion. And, um, infusion? But, Is that but, like normal? Is it normal to have that reaction though? Is that think, like accepted? I think it's like from the, uh, 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 like the, like the um, anti, like anti things inside the infusion. So, I think that's what triggered it off, and because oh I didn't feel like um like any reaction beforehand um, mm. when having it, but during like the 15 minute mark, um, like uh, all of a sudden, I, I, like the nurse came in over me, said, "You're right," and I said, "Yeah," because um, all of a sudden it was um it was kind of like my my like the like the needle like the cannula was gonna burst. That's what it like felt like because I was really oh hot. God. I was red at first, and then I thought, "What's going on?" Then all of a sudden, I call nurse officer and something's wrong. I'm all hot. Um, I feel like I'm in a sauna. Um, and then um, they see I'm all red and they lay me back. And then, then all of a sudden, I, I'm struggling to breathe. Um, and then um, I get oxygen and then I, I end up feeling okay. But then my consultant says, because each time of the infusion, because you're used to it, it goes a little bit faster each time because... Um, um, you're used to having it in you, and it's you're used to it. So when I when the consultant rang, he said, "Do it at a slower rate," and it was done at a slower rate. So I was there a bit longer, but it did complete. And and then next you're day, more, yeah. next couple of days, saw my consultant, and it, and he said, "Um, he put me on um, Humira, what what you're on now, and I've been on it since November, and it's worked pretty well." And, oh, yeah. I think that's so crazy that they told you to do another one after that. It, it wasn't another one. It was like continuing that one. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But yeah, so but I, I like um like from the from um needles. Like as we know, we're used to them. But from um the first injection I have, like from um Crohn's disease, you know, you have to do blood tests all the time. So um I'm actually due one next week because of like my um my stool levels are pretty high. So mm. I'm having one next week. I've been. I haven't actually been in the hospital for a while, so that'll be an experience. 
But um, yeah, it, it's yeah. very different. It is very different. Yeah, because I, I remember the last one I had, a nurse came to my house and did it, put all like um PPE masks on and uh, everything. Really? Yeah. yeah cause, oh my gosh, yeah. that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But, um, that's so, maximum yeah. against junior bloods. Uh, the funny thing is, she didn't know I had Crohn's disease. <laughs> oh, she know? No, she, she, she was talking to my mum about um, her son had Crohn's disease, and she didn't know I had Crohn's disease. <laughs> and oh, my God. And it was like, that's crazy. You came here to spit, to do my blood because <laughs> I have Crohn's. <laughs> but but um, from like having the blood tests at the start, the very start, I, um, I didn't like them. Um, ha- I didn't really like needles at first because um, I've had some bad um, like experiences in the past from different doctors that have done it wrong. <laughs> but, yeah. But um, at first I had the, I had the um, ice, and then I, and then the one time I was like, nah, I'm not having the ice anymore. It might be I'm too cold. <laughs> so. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then ever since then I've had it, but with the um, like Hemira now. Um, like my my mum does it each week, like every two weeks. So oh, does she do it for you? Because I'm like a, I'll be too nervous doing it myself. For, for it is nerve wracking. It is. It's the it's the cringe thought of when I press this button, a needle's gonna go into my body. But it's not actually the the actual doing of it. It doesn't actually like hurt that much. Yeah. It's the thought, isn't it? Of like I can't I can't pierce myself. Yeah. It's only like a couple of seconds, but um, it's just. Like, a, like all the process and everything but um, yeah i actually did have an accident um i think it was a month a month ago um with it anyway it, it, it wasn't funny at the time but now it is <laughs> <laughs> but what happened what was happened? um um you know like the, the yappy pen you put in your leg um yeah basically it was jammed and um like um we tried it um nine times <laughs> to, to, to the same pen like nine times to get it out and um Wait, the was, pen was stuck in your leg yeah. no it wasn't you, you know like the click like you, you, oh, put, right, you yeah, put it yeah. in and it just weren't clicking and it, it weren't the liquid weren't going in but um on the ninth one my mum my, my mum pressed it and I said well, keep it still keep it still and then because you think it weren't going to work again because it hasn't worked for nine times um she presses it and she lifts it up so all the liquid goes everywhere. Oh no! <laughs> and not knowing that you don't know, some might have gone in my leg, some might have not. So yes, yeah, so you, you just have no idea, do you? Oh my god, no way! So what the IBD nurse said, um, like rang up and they said, um, um, just wait, like move it to another two weeks. So of course, on the calendar, it's all written in from where um my injection is. So we had to cross all those um dates that were, and it was it was it's going to be like mixed up. So it'd be another two weeks down the line. But, oh no way! But it's, you know what though. Now you've mentioned that it had did do that with me not last time but the time before, where it took ages for the second click to happen. But I just left it in my leg, so I put it in, and it obviously you know how like it like it does its first click, and then it's only a few seconds till the next click. I must have had it like held onto my leg for a good forty seconds before it did the second mm. click, and I was just like, "Are you gonna work?" <laughs> yeah, they but are so jammy. They are. Um... Like yeah, so that might that might have been what happened. It might yeah. have jammed for me as well. And like um, I like from it like I didn't know if some went in, so just another two weeks down the line, and that's the only kind of accident was happened. I was like, you've got it everywhere. It's gone everywhere. <laughs> what you done? But um, it was all right. It was, it was, it was... Oh my god, I wouldn't have known what to do. I just freaked out. <laughs> yeah, I was like um, it's it's gone everywhere. What, what, what are we go do? We go. <laughs> Go to get another one and do it, but um, although it was good because it wasn't a lot that went in, so um, yeah, it was. It it's was good that you rang your nerves though as well, because if you'd have done another one, there might have been like you can't have that high of a dosage in one go. Like it, you could have had some of that, so it's good that you rang the nurse and they said to move it. It, it was good that she picked up because I, so some days she's not in, so um, um, yeah, like we wouldn't know what to do otherwise. I mean, I'd have been screwed because I do mine at a night time. I do it just before bed so that I can, like, oh. sleep off any tiredness. Yeah. So if I'd have done it and that would have happened, I'd have been like, who do I ring? What do I do? Yeah, I, I, I normally do it, like, uh, two, two, 2 o'clock in the um, afternoon. So it's just, like, over and done with. Oh, see, I've got mine to do tonight. 
Well, I do it. I like to do it later on because it makes me feel a little bit sleepy. So it helps me sleep. And then also I can spend like the next day when I've got nothing planned, kind of like with the headache or whatever. Yeah, it is. Uh, it can make your leg ache a bit sometimes. No, the headache. The headache. Oh, okay. okay. I don't like. Yeah. I don't know. I find like it obviously gives you a bit of a raised bump and like a little bit of an itch at first, but that tends to go away for me. It's just a little bit of a headache, not like a really bad one. Just a bit of a headache and a bit of like bit of a hungover kind of feeling. That's about it. Yeah, it's good because like like you can sleep it off as well. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like um, like well, like what? Every time I have it, I I normally just have like a nice lolly after. Like like my mum says, um, yeah, do you want a nice lolly now <laughs> because it's finished and then you can just relax a bit. And then he's yeah, it's um, it, it's all good. But like I I remember you like you saying that you went on an Acer Fireprint and it didn't work for you. Um, yeah. Like um, I've actually been on Acer Acer Fireprint ever since I was diagnosed. And, um, Are you still on it now? Yeah, but it doesn't. I, I don't know why because it, it doesn't help. It yeah, doesn't, no, that's the same with Pentassa. That does nothing. I don't know how to put anybody on it. But they say that they want me to stay on it in case like, if I ever went off it. That they're they're afraid that I might get a flare and I have to go on steroids or some other drug. So yeah, that, that I suppose. Is... I suppose if what you're on right now is doing like is working in a sense and it's not making things worse and it's not putting you in flare. I mean, there's no point taking you off it as long as you're not experiencing any negative side effects. One of the reasons I do want to like go off some of my medication is like due to like like the coronavirus being high risk of it. Like yeah. Um, like maybe get some immune but, system from coming off some stuff. Oh yeah, but you'd be at more of a risk yeah. coming off it because you'd be like more susceptible to having a flare up and things like that. Yeah. Whereas, like when you're on it. I mean, you're still, as long as you're still, like, socially distancing and following everything, you'll be completely fine. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I think um, everyone's allowed out now, I think, um, it, like, even the shielding as well. Yeah, yeah, they are. Everyone's allowed out, as long as you're socially distancing and kind of being safe and stuff. But, yeah. I mean, I feel like it's gone out the window for a lot of people. That's mm. what, I've got to be honest, it's gone out the window a little bit for me, which it shouldn't have because I'm obviously in a risk category, but it has a little bit. Yeah, you know, I do think like lots of people that are, um, that aren't um, like for me, I've always said that um, if I wasn't at a risk of with all the medication I'm on, that um, I probably would be a bit more like um, not not as careful as I've been. I'll still be cautious of the coronavirus, but maybe see a bit a few more people than I am. Yeah, I feel like I've got my bubble and yeah. I stay within my bubble of people, but. I've kind of, I've kind of gave up a little bit, but yeah. I shouldn't. I should be a lot more careful. I know I should, yeah. but I've, I've kind of gotten sick of it now. Yeah, it's, it's going on. It's going, it's going on too long. But um, yeah, yeah, like um, I don't know how long. Hopefully, it doesn't go on like for forever. But hopefully, not too long. I said. If at the beginning they'd have just said, right, everybody, if you need to go to the supermarket, go to the supermarket, and then no one's going abroad, no one's leaving the houses for two weeks, then everybody would have got diagnosed and it would have been done with. And then we'd have just kept our country, our country, and not been let anyone go on holiday. Yeah. And then people wouldn't have been able to transmit it from, like, to and fro. Yeah. If they'd have just put us on, like, a two-week proper lockdown, but obviously... They haven't been able to do that because they've needed to keep places open. Yeah, like it may be like um, because I remember at the start then there was people from um China um from England, England and China wanted to get a flight back to England. But what I think should have happened is that they shouldn't let anyone travel when like the coronavirus that is prime yeah, now. Yeah, exactly, let, exactly. Yeah, let everyone stay in their said, own countries. If they'd have just said, right, we're shutting our borders completely and everybody is staying in the houses for two weeks until any symptoms arrive, arise and then after that, people that have got it should be recovered and it shouldn't be able to be transmitted. If they'd have just done that, I feel like we'd have been in such a better position. Yeah, but, but yeah, what can we do now? <laughs> I know, what can we do now? What can we do now? We're, we're six months into coronavirus. Yeah. Has it been? It's been ages now, hasn't it? Yeah. 
It seems like the time's gone really quick. Like, um, sorry, it's nearly September. <laughs> it seems, I know, it seems like the time's gone really quick, but when you think about, like, when you actually look back, it seems like ages ago. Like, it, I don't know, it's really weird. Like, I feel like every day has gone really quick, but looking back, it seems as though it's been months and months and months that we've been going through it all. Yeah, just thinking about when um, it was 2020, like, um, just coming into 2020, we hear about coronavirus. I know, and yeah. you're like, that won't come over here, it'll yeah. be fine, we're going to be yeah. fine, and then next thing you know, everybody's got it. Yeah, I, I remember, like, in December, because I went on holiday to France, um, and I remember, like, on the news, something about coronavirus, and I was thinking, um, like, obviously not knowing what it is at that time. Yeah. I'm thinking, what's that? It's like, um, like even I think it coronavirus. It was first like introduced like in the new year, end of December. But I think it was it was been it's been here for quite a while. I think. See, you would think that because you yeah. know a lot of people said that they thought they had it back in like December of last year when it was the flu. Yeah. But I got um a lot of them. You know the what they called the antibody tests. Mm. Yeah, and the not. They're not, I don't think they're not approved here because they're not high enough accuracy rate in the 96%. And I think the pass rate's like 97% or something like that. But I got some of them and they're approved in Denmark um, from a family member. And my, like my boyfriend who was shielding so that he could come and stay here, like, you know, and everything locked down, he, was, he wasn't at work or anything because he's, he'd been furloughed. So he went and shielded. Um, at my uncle's house because my uncle's are, like staying with his girlfriend through lockdown um, and I made him do a lot of them tests and he was adamant that he'd already had it because of all this like you know the flu and stuff that was going around in December but it didn't pick up on any of the antibody tests that he had the antibodies and I also we did it with quite a few of my family members that thought that they'd had it back in December and they'd been fine and the way I see it is we have the flu jab don't we yeah so if it was the like if it was coronavirus we'd most likely have caught it back then mm. especially because everybody was claiming to have had symptoms and stuff mm. so if it was that then we'd have caught it but because we had the flu jab we wouldn't have got the flu so because we didn't get it i think that that's telling that it was probably the flu that was going around like at the beginning of december time yeah yeah and i think uh flu jabs are gonna be pretty packed <laughs> this year Oh, I know. <laughs> Everyone's going to be wanting it. Yeah. yeah. I think they said, um, like, like, I think more older people that can have it now um, this year. Oh, they're letting everybody, like, more people yeah. get it. That's good. Yeah. That is good. Yeah, but uh, I don't think there'll be a vaccine this year. Maybe next year, I hope. <laughs> That's what they were saying, isn't it? They're saying they don't, they're going to have to plan us all. We're not going to get one until next year. Uh, we, we won't like, be, uh, is everything going to be like how it is now until next year I hope not I really hope not yeah yeah because uh, like, like, like for me like um, I go back to college quite soon um, next couple of weeks and I'm just quite interested to see what's going to happen about that like because I, apparently I can go in one day a week but um, like keeping the, the two minute distance has to be in place and everyone yeah. won't be in college at the same time because my college is quite a big place and I'm just like everyone has to wear a mask and it's just be quite interesting to see because um because there's probably everyone won't abide by social like keeping two minutes apart in in college so it just would be quite interesting yeah, people, it's like people aren't now people aren't interested now people have lost interest a lot of people have so I don't like it's it's hard to say like oh we're gonna open back up colleges and universities because people aren't gonna stick to the rules mm. and they can't force everybody to mm. because they, and it's obvious they're not which is horrible because then there's people that are vulnerable that want to stick to the rules that are then gonna not be able to because everyone around them isn't going to be yeah. but I know a lot of universities are going online my friend's university is going online. Okay. Yeah, like um, like I think what like it's gonna be difficult, like especially like maybe if you're like going to a new class and like um, you're one of the people who's been shielding, and yeah, and like um, like especially like you won't be able to get the help that you want as well. So it's kind of 
in, in my eyes, it's not, although you want to go to college, but you're not going to get that help that you would get before. I feel like the way they need to do it is the way that like lecture capture works at universities. They need to record things unless you're in, unless you do a subject like engineering where you have to go in to do like a certain project or like, I don't know, something where you need to be there and need to be present. I feel like a lot of it they could do online and they could just make people enter a registration number at the beginning to prove their yeah. attendance. Yeah, that, I feel like that's what they should do. Yeah, and I think going open schools and colleges will possibly make um like get closer to another wave of um yeah. as well yeah i agree 100% agree even though there's lots of people out there who don't abide by the rules anyway but just open lots of colleges around the country that makes it a little bit more worse but i feel like the people that don't abide by the rules don't do it with their friends because there's no opportunity at the moment to be able to like nightclubs aren't open so there's no opportunity to be able to like get give it to strangers sort of thing and like all pubs and all pubs and like bars and stuff that are open you have to sit down and you can't stand up and dance so there's no way to kind of give it to strangers but if like they were to have colleges open then you'd be able to give it to anybody if you have universities open universities have like fifty thousand people in so you could give it to anyone there's no way you can track and trace that yeah i think at some point everyone will need to have like the test just to see, like, even especially going to college, maybe you're walking down the path, you'll get a test before you go in. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think you should, like, I think that they should test everybody and then the people that have got it stay inside and then that's it. It's yeah. done, it's eradicated. And then when you come back, you do, like, from a holiday, you do 14 days quarantine. Yeah. I mean, if they were to do that, if they were to make everybody have a test and then say, right, if you've got it, you don't come back to college for two weeks, then it would be fine. It would work. But it's whether people would actually follow it. Yeah. And the thing is about it, like, um, you could, like, you think you don't have it, but you you don't know, like, some some people get immune from it. Like, um, like, like, like you don't know you've had it or you have symptoms. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, some people have no symptoms. I mean... Our, like my, at my mum's house, our next door neighbours, they had literally zero symptoms apart from the loss of the taste a little bit. But like you wouldn't really, you wouldn't really put that connection together because you don't really think, you don't feel unwell if you lose your taste a little bit. You just yeah. think, oh, I can't really taste the spice in this that much. You just think it's not very spicy. Like, yeah, like there are people out there who, who do don't have many symptoms and then they can pass it off to someone else that could maybe have much worse symptoms so you know, exactly yeah. exactly so the only way to kind of monitor it is to test everybody which is obviously yeah. going to be expensive but at least yeah. it saves money in the long run yeah that's cool I, yeah i feel like i'm in quite a privileged position at the moment though because i've like obviously i've just finished uni i need to submit my last essay that's like oh am i still on this yeah yeah yeah, yeah. sorry i got a thingy sign coming up um but yeah I've obviously got to submit my last essay and I don't have to go to university so I don't have to worry about that and I've got a graduate scheme that um is was meant to be starting the end of August but because of Covid it's been postponed till January so I'm lucky in a way that I don't have to worry about being around like crowds of strangers until January which is kind of positive yeah yeah Right, like, like with me, like, um, like at the moment, I've gone as far as to meet two people at, at the most, where all wearing like, pro- like protection and staying meters apart, because yeah, knowing that I'm at high risk, but knowing that other people are going about a little bit more, for them they're a bit more high risk as well. So it's a, it's all got to be like, it's all, it's all weird times. <laughs> yeah, it's weird times. It's really weird times. And I mean, I feel like if you're not comfortable going out, nobody should pressure you to. Like I always say to people, like if you're in a vulnerable, even if you're not, if you're not high risk and you don't want to go out and you want to protect yourself or your family or whatever, I mean, you're well within your rights to. I feel like that nobody should be under any pressure to have to put themselves in a situation which could potentially be dangerous. Definitely. Like whenever I go, like, go out, I normally go for like, go walks maybe somewhere that's not um 
packed, maybe like like a country park that's got a lot a lot of space as well. Yeah. And like it's different for everybody. Some people, you know, like I'm willing to take that risk a little bit now because I've kind of gotten sick of it, which is really bad. But like some people are willing to take that risk. That's fine. That's down to them. It's their like their health is their responsibility. But they should never pressure anybody else into taking that risk. Which is um like you've got to make sure in like circumstances like these, you've got really supportive friends and really supportive family that understands because when I was very strictly shielding, I went and actually I stayed at like my uncle's house for a bit because I wanted my nana had started going back to work and I didn't want to be around anybody. I wanted to shield properly. And like when I was here, um and it first started and I was first shielding, obviously I wasn't able to see my boyfriend until he'd shielded. So it's really important to have people that are supportive and that understand that and like want you to feel comfortable and do things on your own time scale when you're ready to do them. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And it can be quite hard, like 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 especially for people that are like um not living together and they're like in a relationship or something. And yeah. um like that they that that person's been seeing other people and you haven't and like um you kinda you can still meet them and everything, but you kind of like, you can't hug, you can't uh, like cuddle or anything or even hold hands. So that can be quite hard, but just like yeah. knowing that they respect that and they're happy to wait is um really good. Oh yeah, it's really important. Like it was important to know that like my boyfriend and my friends and my family would still come and visit sat outside on a, like on a chair whilst I was sat like inside, like, you know, it was important to know that they would support me through it. And that they would still come and visit me and try and keep like me cheered up and keep me occupied. I mean, one of my friends, one of my friends bought me like a lovely bunch of flowers to kind of, you know, give me a pick me up. And another one at the beginning of lockdown, she went shopping and got me a little lockdown, um, like it was like a little hamper kind of thing that had like, you know, different games and like a jigsaw and activities and things like that and colouring books and stuff. Just like it's important to know that you've got friends that are like supportive yeah because if someone was to try and like if somebody like in your family or your friendship group was to try and pressure you to go out you're not comfortable so it would be important to kind of just go actually you're not a true friend yeah. i don't want to yeah. talk to you yeah like like um like it can be quite hard you see like some you see on your phone like your friends arranging group meetups and knowing that you can't go like yeah like putting them off saying sorry you can't go um there's too many people and um you can't put myself at that high risk yeah and it's important to like you know look after your own health and put yourself and people will understand i mean like my friends like obviously still did things whilst we were in lockdown but they do things like facetime me while they were watching a movie so that i wasn't left out of it and it was you know obviously the same thing happened the opposite way where some people didn't even bother to check up on me and it's like them people i know that i don't actually need and they're not going to support me and they're not going to understand and they only want to know when I can go on a night out. So then people kind of, you don't need in your life, but it's important to kind of, if anything, this has like helped you, like me realise who true friends are and who you can yeah. rely on, who's understanding of yeah, your condition. Definitely, yeah. Like you kind of notice that who are your friends and who, who are not like in these times yeah. as well. And like, we, we all know that, uh, it won't be going back to like when we finish seeing like this pandemic is like over in a way. Um, like, like I know when a vaccine does come, it's still not going to be the same because you you don't know who's had the vaccine or you won't know who's had the vaccine. So it's going to be all um, different still. Oh yeah, it's going to be really different for a long time. Yeah, and like um like 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 people starting to like do their hygiene. Like um, like, like for us, we're, we're, like like for me, I've always carried a little soap around in my pocket, just just to keep safe anyway. Because, well, as we know, like with Crohn's disease, uh, we're 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 uh, at risk again. Uh, other things as well. Yeah, anyway. yeah, exactly. Especially on like all of these different types of medication and everything that like lowers your immune system. I mean, when you first put on them, you're given a list of things that you can develop. Like you're given a list of things that basically say you know, this could be fatal, this could make you really ill, this could hospitalise you, this could kill you. So you you learn to be really careful anyways in the sense of, like, having hand sanitizer and washing your hands all the time and 
not getting really close up with strangers yeah, yeah. and staying away from people that are ill yeah definitely and, I mean, yeah i've always been the same with joe my boyfriend if he has like if he had a cold i'd say well i'll see you when you haven't got a cold because <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. You um, want to make sure you're not going to get that cold because you're going to experience it five times worse than they are. Yeah, and just like one of the things I always think about going back to college because I know something happened like before, um, like because I, I I I decided to go home a couple of weeks, a week or two before lockdown started. Um, yeah. Like because uh, uh like because you're, you're just saying like at, at college, imagine if like someone sneezes out of the blue, even though they've got a mask on. But knowing that those particles will still go around the place, like yeah. um, like you just don't know who's going to sneeze, who's going to cough, and um. I mean, then, yeah. I find it crazy as well how far your breath goes. Now, I never realised it, but I smoke an e-cig. Obviously, I've stopped smoking because actual like all the tar and stuff's bad for your bowels, whereas an e-cig's not as bad. Mm. Um, but you you do smoke it, you don't really think anything of it. But I find it crazy when you actually blow the smoke out how far away it goes yeah. so just you breathing how far like you can actually like, physically see with like the vapor that it comes out how far away that goes and that's like the same with your breath particle you do not realize how far you just breathing out can like travel and yeah. coughing and sneezing it's like an extra force so somebody sneezing with a mask on it can make its way out so it's yeah. not fully protective yeah definitely yeah and um for like just like a couple of last things that if just like um want to like explain like a um a little bit about like um any like fundraiser you've done or events oh yeah um so at the beginning of lockdown Crohn's and colitis put like a bit of a plea on that basically said um we need to help people more than ever but our fundraising has gone down by 60 percent because where like the people are fundraising different charities fundraising like you know, people that help them with COVID and treatments and things like that. So people have stopped fundraising them, but they're needed more than ever. And I needed them at that time. Obviously, it was really scary. And all the information they were providing was really important. And that was the person not having, like, a big Crohn's community at that time and not knowing anybody else that had Crohn's disease. That was the mm -hmm. place that I looked to for any information. I just really wanted to help. So... I put like a post and I didn't really think anything of it. I was just like, if I can raise, you know, hundred pounds, it'd be amazing. 250 mm -hmm. was like, like the max target that I was aiming for. And I just said, oh, I'll dye my hair purple. There's not much I can do in lockdown. So I'll dye it purple. Oh. Um, and I ended up raising over a thousand pounds for Grunts and Players. It was crazy. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. That, 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 like you saying about purple. Yeah. I actually want to dye my hair purple just like because my birthday coming I think well why not it's a current colour UK uh, it's, it's a current colour why not I've never done that yeah. you won't regret it honestly I loved it but the worst part was it was like bright purple and then when it came out it was like a bluey greeny colour so I, I um, then got an email off the place that like you know the place I said I had the graduate yeah. scheme for Yeah. and that was they were interviewing at the time when like when I dyed my hair so I had this horrible greeny colour left in my hair and I didn't know how to get it out. So I ended up having to put this pinky red colour on it to try and neutralise it. Ended up with like bright orangey peachy red hair having to do this interview for a company. And I had this like proper like outgoing bald hair colour and I was just like, oh my gosh. I just sat there. The first thing I said was, my hair isn't usually this colour. I'm usually a lot more professional. But do it, because you'll love it. I loved having purple hair. Absolutely yeah. loved uh, it. How long did you have purple hair for, do you think? Oh, my gosh. I've done it throughout lockdown. Throughout the okay. first, like, three months of lockdown, I went from, like, purple and then, obviously, that pinky colour, and then, obviously, when that had washed out, I went back to purple. And I probably had it for a good, like, two months, all in all. Two months in total. Oh. But oh, I loved it. It was so nice. Yeah, like, uh, I, I think... Um... Like, um, uh, do you like, remember how, how long that it took like um, to have the dye in? Well, I already have like mm. a like obviously bleached blonde hair, mm. so I just put like you know like a crazy colours one that like washes out after a couple of weeks or something. So I just kept chopping it off. Yeah, 
Okay. So if you were to go with like a permanent colour, obviously it would stain a lot longer, but these were just like wash in, wash out. They weren't like semis that last a good few weeks and the struggle to get out. It was quite easy to get it out in the end. Yeah, because um, I think uh, I won't put it permanent. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'll, I'll make it like like a, like a, a thing, not long, but I think I like purple and maybe a little bit of blue as well. Do it, do it. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, Why um, not? Yeah. Yeah, There's do, no it, reason it, not to. There is no reason not to. Yeah, because um, I like recently I I did like an effect because um. Um, like I think you can see in the background, I have a like a TARDIS wardrobe. <laughs> um, oh my god, yeah, that's so um, cool! Um, like I, I do Doctor Who videos, so what, 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 what? In one video, I did like an effect, and um, it, like you could do purple hair, and I looked at it, and I thought, hang on, I look quite good in that hair. And <laughs> and, and and the funny thing is, um, I got messages from people saying, I really like your hair; it looks really cool. Because of course, they oh thought they thought I actually changed my hair, and it was purple. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, you have to do it. You have to do it. And it was a little this bit This is blue, like, yeah. I'm going to be waiting for that now. Yeah. The purple and blue streaks. Yeah, I, I, I do really want that um, purple hair. Even just like for my birthday for a couple of weeks. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you can get like, you can get ones that are like hair paints that you kind of put on that like wash in, wash out or only stay in for a few days, a few washes. So, crazy yeah. colours. Yeah, it's a good colour to have. I do like purple for the crones colour. <laughs> do it. Yeah. Honestly, it looks so nice. Yeah. It, it, I think it'll look great. You, 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 you'll definitely be able to see something soon. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be looking yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. And like, um, Leah, just like last thing like to ask you, is there like um, like any advice that you have for other people that are like IBD, crones, colitis? Reach out to people. So if you go on the Crohn's and Colitis Instagram page, they're always posting people's stories and people's like journeys and stuff. And also on this podcast, um, I know that you like use a lot of people's stories and you obviously interview a lot of people. If anybody inspires you or you feel like you could relate to somebody, follow them, message them because you'll become, you actually will become really good friends with them. I mean, there was the one girl that messaged me I won't say her name because I don't know if she wants me to, but she messaged me and we have messaged every single day since and it's been four months. And then there's also like Bridie underscore IBD and she, like I message her all the time and she messages me all the time if she has troubles and like choose happiness and like people like that that are also raising awareness but like are there if you need to talk to them. So you could put something on like about having a down day. And someone will message you in seconds saying, like, giving you advice, telling you how to cheer yourself up, and, like, being there and being actually relatable. So one of the big things I would say is find places that, like, like this podcast and, like, yeah. Coins and Players UK that talk about people's stories. And if you relate to them, speak to them. Yeah. Yeah. Because people aren't, they're not going to bite. They're going through the same thing. So it's really good to find people you can talk to. Yeah, of course, yeah. That's really good advice. And, like, knowing that... Um... Like um, everyone like shares their stories. Like as you say on the Crohn's and Colitis UK page, and it's it's not only that page, is it? There's lots of pages that on um, like yeah, on Instagram that you can message and um, you can share your story on all sort of Crohn's and Colitis pages. There's another one as well, um, and it's ugh, I can't remember what it's called, but I've used it quite a few times, especially before I found so many people with Crohn's from all over the world, and it's um. Ugh, I don't know what it's called, but it's if I find out, I'll let you know so you yeah. can put it somewhere. But um, yeah. you just message them and with like whatever question or query you have, and then they post it anonymously onto their Instagram, and then everybody comments and gives you advice. So whenever I've had like I don't know, I start a medication, I get a, a rash that I don't know whether it's normal or I, you know, I'm experiencing a side effect or I'm worried about something to do with the pandemic or I've had any concerns or queries, I put it on there. And then they've posted it and like a lot, like 30, 50 people like comment giving you advice. So it's really helpful to have pages like that. Definitely. Yeah. And like, um, like, like everyone that comes on this podcast as well would like to hear all different stories. And there's, 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 yeah. there's, there's, there's it's like good to hear like other people's like, even like, um, just speaking to them and like, especially like seeing like face to face as well can really help. Yeah, exactly. Cause you get to know people's like personality and stuff. So it's, 
it's really helpful to be able to find people that talk about people or that share other people's worries and stories so that you don't feel so alone. I think that's one of the biggest things about it at first is you do feel really alone. So finding places where you can talk to people yeah. is really helpful. Yeah, you just don't remember you're not alone because there's lots of people out there to talk to. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So um, f- thank you again, Leah, and it's been r- r- really nice um, hearing like your whole journey, and it's been really good speaking to you. Thank you. It's been really thank good speaking you. to you too. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye.